Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome to another week of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. <coughs> Excuse me. We're glad you're with us and I uh, hope you had a great weekend. We sure did because we were at Pete Taylor Park all weekend and it was electric uh, from Friday through Sunday. We're going to be talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry about all of that momentarily. First, a quick reminder about Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Their proud support of Southern Miss Athletics is legendary, and their food is always delicious. You can enjoy it seven days a week in their drive through take-home, or in the dining room. But however you choose, just be sure you choose Dickey's Barbecue Pit. All right, Mondays we always uh, talk to uh, Scott Berry, head baseball coach uh, for Southern Miss. And boy, what a weekend this was, a weekend sweep. Of Louisiana Lafayette, lots of drama from Friday night through Sunday. And before we get to those games and the drama, Coach, one stat that just really jumped out at me when I looked at it this morning, your three starting pitchers threw 21 innings over the weekend against a really solid baseball team. They only gave up three runs, two of which really were were runs given up Friday night after the game was all but decided. But some performance by your pitching staff this weekend. It sure was, Bob. Outstanding. And, you know, a couple other stats that need to be mentioned as well is their strikeout-to-walk ratio. They had 35 strikeouts and two walks. And and one of those uh, two walks was an intentional walk. Uh, so that's that's pretty potent right there. Actually, it was 35 over one if you take out the intentional walk. Right. Well, great pitching by Etheridge, and of course, uh, Walker Powell goes without saying what a great player he is. I was really impressed yesterday, though, with this freshman Stanley. He he threw seven really solid innings, uh, gave up uh, you know just just a few hits. I, I know you got to be really pleased with him. Who is that now? Did you say Etheridge? Uh, Etheridge. I'm sorry. I'm my, my mistake. Etheridge. Okay. Yes. Etheridge. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Ben. Yes, I'll tell you, you know, last year, of course, he had a couple of starts last year in that shortened season, but worked really kind of more out of the pen. But this fall, when we were kind of utilizing the opportunity to make uh, have scrimmage games, we put him in that starting role just to give us an opportunity, if, if presented, to, to use him as that. And, you know, I think with Shepard being down, that opened that door for Ben to, to, to take care of that opportunity. And and he's really done pretty well. I think he's gotten better with each start. Um, of course, this past Sunday, he covered six innings, four hits, one run, and one of those were earned. But, you know, once again, nine strikeouts and no free passes uh, on his performance. So, outstanding job by the young man who was uh, a freshman All-American last year. Yeah. Now, Coach, after watching Walker Powell pitch again this weekend, I, I found myself thinking, and I, I, I instantly knew I wanted to ask you this question. Walker Powell is, is going to, if he finishes the year like we expect, he's he's got to go down as one of the best ever to pitch here, Coach. Where, where, where do you think he stacks up with all the great pitchers that have been here? Well, you know, I think you're exactly right. Certainly his, 
his his tenure here has been very consistent, Bob, and I think that's what you look in and measure people over the long haul. You know, how do they show up and, and perform each time out? And he's really maintained that balance through his whole career. Uh, in essence, he's really given us his chance to win every time he takes the mound almost. So mm-hmm. he in, in my time here, you know, that, I, that I've been here now going on 21 years, he's certainly right there in that handful. Could he have gone that last inning? Did he want to pitch that last inning? Or do you just think it was – obviously you thought it was best to take him out? Well, I, you know, he's at 92 pitches, so right. that's, that's right. pretty low pitches for eight innings. But he had to work out, especially in that eighth inning, he had to work around some stuff to get out of there. And I just think mentally it was time to uh, to go to something fresh. Uh, certainly that's uh, a luxury mm-hmm. we have with Garrett Ramsey being able to come in. But – you know, Ramsey covers the inning, gets a double play ball, and uh, and, and gets his fourth save of the year. Yeah, exciting, exciting game uh, Saturday. All right, look, I'm going to let you ask Coach about the fireworks Friday night because, buddy, it was some kind we'll, of electric at the peak. We'll get to them in, in just a little bit for sure. Coach, 164 strikeouts in 14 games. That, that just seems an astronomical uh ratio where golden eagle pitchers have have just really fanned down i i can't remember you know maybe with sandlin in there but i mean it's is this is pretty amazing what they've done through the first 14 games well i think a lot of that is not only their pitchability luke and the, and the ability to to command the strike zone but i think also with uh today's world and pitching and how uh, pitchers are being uh, accelerated in velocity. You're seeing much higher velocities across the country with uh, with with everybody's arms, and I think that is really uh, starting to uh, to uh, take take care of those hitters where at one time it didn't. So, uh, you know, our our staff is no different. You know, all the credit to me, uh, I see it goes to Christian Ostrin, our pitching coach. He's done a phenomenal job. With this staff, uh, they have that trust in him like, like you want them to, and, and he's getting the most out of them, and they're really responding. Well, that's really good. To, one, one comment about um, Hunter Stanley, I mean, it, it's amazing. The only home runs he gives up are, are solo home runs, but, but he's given up seven, and what does he need to do a, a little you know, later as we go and move into conference to kind of limit those? You've given up 13 home runs as a pitching staff, seven of those Stanley's given up. Yeah, you know, I think this past Friday night, obviously those two home runs were, once again, solos. And like you said, you can recover from solos. It's hard to recover from crooked number ones, two, three, and four run home runs. So, you know, credit Hunter. He's attacking guys and and with nobody on base, maybe pitching a little bit different when when there is somebody on base. But, you know, both those home runs were were when the game was out of, you know, the, the deficit was so large. Sure. Um, so, but yes, I think he's got to get the ball down in the zone more. I think that he is, uh, when he leaves that ball up and they're getting good swings on it and we play good teams and, and those teams are going to take advantage of that. So moving forward, he, I know he's working every time he takes that bullpen with Oz to, to correct that. And we hope the next time that he goes out there, we will certainly be corrected. 
26 hits uh, on the weekend for the Golden Eagles, 13, of course, in that uh, 13-4 to victory on Friday. Uh, just looking at some of the numbers, it was good to see uh, Gabe Montenegro reach base more. Of course, uh, Trimble had the huge hit yesterday to, to win it. But but how about Charlie Fisher now, Coach? Three, uh, I believe he's at 344 on the season. He was one of those guys that uh, was dinged up early, and you said that you know it would take him a little bit to get warmed up. Uh, he walked uh, six times this weekend, four for seven, three RBIs, and he has really solidified uh, a, a compliment where they can't really – he, he protects Christopher Sargent in the lineup uh, for sure as well as the other side with Ewing. He does. And, you know, Charlie, we knew going into last year or coming out of last year, he was one of our, if not really the best hitter that we had uh, on last year's team through the 16 games. And going into this year, we knew that he was going to be a big part of our offense and was going to have to be in that middle, which we were kind of young and unexperienced at. But he, he did bring the experience that we needed there in that three-hole. You know, he leads us in walks with 14. His on-base percentage is five five three. Um, so, you know, he has a, he has the ability to get on base. He's got a good eye, but, you know, he just puts together some really good at-bats. He fouls some things off. Yeah, he's you know, he's got 12 strikeouts, but we've got a number of guys that, that have those strikeouts. But, you know, Charlie's he's, he's had a great start to our, our career, or I'm sorry, our young uh, season, and uh, we're, we're just so fortunate to have him there in the middle. All right, Coach. Uh, we've got about a minute and a half in this segment. We got we've got to get to it. I mean, uh, as as I mentioned to you before we went on the air, uh, all over the internet uh, this weekend was a recap of the second inning of the ball game Friday night. Two moonshot home runs, uh, then a hit batter, and then another home run with a lot of drama surrounding that home run. Just kind of recap your thoughts about about that Friday night. Well, you know, let's just say, first of all, two very, very competitive, rich tradition teams uh, going at it in a, in a big series for both in uh, a pressure-packed college Division One environment, in all honesty. So emotions are running high. Obviously, Sarge clears the bases with a grand slam uh, to really get things going. Ewing follows up with a solo shot. And then, uh, you know, Will McGillis, he goes to lay down a bunt. It's still early in the game. I think we were up at that time, maybe uh, eight to one, and then um, and then uh, he gets gets hit in the head. You know, I'm not I'm not sure the guy was trying to throw at his head. You know, sometimes that gets away, but you know, I'm certainly I'm sure they were tired of back to back home runs like it was, and and you always seem to uh, sometimes send a message and. Maybe the ball got away from him. But anyway, emotions got really high. And then Lynch hits a solo homer and uh, probably uh, you know takes his time a little too much going around. And, hey, I deal with 18 to 22-year-olds old, you know, every day. And uh, just like, you know, their guy throwing at him, uh, I don't, you know, we don't want to see any of that in a game. But we're not unrealistic to know that it's very competitive and both teams get fired up and then that's exactly what happened of course the fans love it and uh but you know those (laughs) those of us that are in charge of keeping everybody back it becomes sometimes chaos for us to to try to uh, control but you weren't you're right coach the fans loved it it uh it it set the place on fire and it uh it set the tone for what was just really an exciting weekend. We're, we're looking forward to continuing our conversation with uh, head baseball coach Scott Berry after a great weekend series with Louisiana Lafayette. We'll be right back. 
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back. We're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. I was there Friday afternoon with my family. Uh, we loaded up on uh, Southern Miss Apparel. Uh, they were sporting it Friday night. It's just a great place. Uh, if you're looking for Southern Miss apparel or accessories for your home or car, it's at Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Talking head baseball coach Scott Beer. A couple questions I've got for you before we turn it back over to Luke. But before I get to those, coach, I want to let you finish your thought. We were we were talking during the uh, during the break about the the beauty and and just I don't know just the great atmosphere that uh, that we all enjoy at Pete Taylor Park. And you were telling me that so there are times on the field you get a chance to just kind of sit back and take it all in yourself. Oh, I really do, especially when it's those big moments when something special sticks to happen and you can feel the energy from the crowd. You know, there's not many games that we play where the uh, the stadium's empty, I can assure you. You know, right. even from the first weekend to this past weekend, we've filled that stadium pretty well. And, and don't think that our guys and our team, they don't feed off from that. They really do. And, and I know the crowds and, and the fans have, have a special time as well. No question about it. Coach, I, I want to ask you this. In, in the 12 years since I moved back to Hattiesburg and have been coming to all the baseball games, <clears throat> it seems to me that when I first started uh, following you guys a dozen years ago, that, that if we saw a, a kid throw 95 miles an hour, we were sort of like, whoa, look at that. But honestly, Coach, it just seems like every other kid we've seen all year, both on our team and opposing teams, or getting those pitches up in the mid-90s, is that my imagination? It isn't. I'm sitting there watching it, too. Uh, you know, everybody's throwing a lot lot faster now, you know, because of uh, a lot of the velocity improvement programs that are out there and uh, that pitching coaches are using today. And not only are the kids in college using them, but your kids in high school are using them. So we're, we're recruiting kids, you know, that are throwing in the mid-90s right now, and we're, and we're committed them. So, you know, that's just going to be the norm that you see in, in baseball, really, in all college levels from here on out, I believe. Right. But, so it's not my imagination. It's, it's more than it was five or six years ago. 100%. Right, yes. right. It, 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 100% it is more. It is not your imagination. Right. Luke? Coach, uh, I just to to bookend uh, what happened in the bottom of the second, and you don't have to comment on this. I just want to let Golden Eagle fans know that I went back and watched the tape, and and that, that guy threw it, McGillis. I mean, and and you know, I'm not one that that always wants to see people pimp their pimp their stuff, but I thought that. Uh, the college baseball world, who everybody that saw the sequence uh, in some ways appreciated what DJ Lynch did. Bookend, you don't have to comment on that, Coach. All right, um, moving forward to this week, Golden Eagles uh, dropped a 5-3 to three contest against South Al a couple weeks ago. Expect to see Drew Boyd on the mound tomorrow night, Coach. What do we need to do to take care of the Jags down in Mobile? Well, we got to play better defense. You know, that's one thing, I guess, in the three games that maybe I was a little disappointed. Uh, you know, we talk all the time, there's three facets of the game, pitching, defense, and, and hitting. you got to play two, at least two, if not all three, to, to win a game. And, you know, over the weekend, uh, you know, we, uh, we had six errors in those. And one game we played, you know, well, the second game with Powell, we didn't have any errors. We played really clean, but – you know, games, uh, the, the first game we had four errors, and, and yesterday we had two errors. We've got to take care of the ball better. Uh, you know, our hitting is starting to come around. 
You know, we increased, I think, 11 points over the, the weekend. and We're having much better competitive at-bats, uh, and we need to continue to do that. One thing that we've been able to do to, to, um, to help our offense is we've been able to, to draw the walk. You know, this past weekend we did strike out 26 times, but we walked 15. And if you look at Friday night's game, their guy uh, who, who faced Stanley, really great numbers, man. And we had him at 31 pitches in the first inning, 68 in the fourth inning. So we ran his pitch count up. They didn't like to get in the bullpen. So we started putting together some really good at-bats. And, and we did that even on Saturday and Sunday as well. Even though we didn't score runs, we were still able to to get in the walk column and, and increase those uh, pitch counts. So those things all play into winning a baseball game. We need to continue that tomorrow night at South Alabama. A very good program. Beat us earlier in the year, 4-2. to two. It happened late uh, for them. But we've got to cash in on opportunities. This weekend we saw us um, create those opportunities for ourselves, but we missed on them too many times. But, you know, the biggest thing is is getting yourself an opportunity. Then you got to finish it. we just got to learn to finish them now. Coach, first time uh, we've seen the new extra innings rule, and, you know, I was just kind of neutral towards it, and then it happened, and I was like, man, this is – I don't like this. And and uh, I, we'll talk about it and editorialize it later on in this show. But, but Coach, uh, really the first time we've seen that in play, is that something that you and the skipper for Lafayette have to agree to going in the weekend, or was that automatic and, and kind of your thoughts about seeing it played out for the first time yesterday? Well, that's my call. Uh, that would be the home team. If they have something different that their conference is doing, then it's up to the home team to say, hey, this is what we're going to do or we're not going to do it. We've been instructed by our conference since we did adopt it, and the reason we adopted it, most every conference that went to a four-game weekend series did did adopt that rule uh, just to create uh, – to not get into 15-inning games if possible – so uh, that was my call. I needed to see. We needed to. We needed to play under it because when we start conference in two weeks, that's what we're going to be doing for the next eight weeks. So we need yeah. to get used to it when it when it comes to us. You know, yesterday neither offense was really doing anything, and and my wife, we were sitting outside last night, and I told her. She said, well, "I don't know if I like that." And I said, "Well." The way both teams were hitting, we might still be playing if we hadn't done it. So be thankful because we're sitting here enjoying each other. So, uh, you know, you know what I love though is it, and I like this about our team, and I I can't go without mentioning this is in both the tenth inning and eleventh inning we gave up the run. You know, in the tenth inning we gave up a two out hit off Ock to go up, and now you're up one to nothing, or you're down one to nothing. So you have to answer, and we did in both innings. And, of course, the second inning, we answered it even more to walk that thing off. So even though you start with that runner at second, you still have to get them in. It's like I was telling our staff this morning. We've seen several times this year where we've had that, and we haven't gotten them in in a regular, in a regular yeah. inning game. Right. So when it, when it counted, you know, credit our guys for really being able to stay right there and answer it in the 10th to tie it back up to force it to the 11th to give us an opportunity to win it. No question. Our Coach, co- uh, last, last question for me. Uh, we sang happy birthday to him uh, yesterday. I believe today is his actual birthday. Your, your comments on uh, Corky Palmer's birthday today. 
Man, if you weren't going to bring it up, I was, Luke, and I'm so thankful that you did. Uh, today is his 67th birthday, as everybody knows in our listening area. Suffered a stroke back in August. I know you all have talked about him several times. He actually called Jack Duggan yesterday during the game to find out what station the the game was on the radio. So, uh, you know, it's just a, a terrible deal where Coach is still trying to get back after the stroke. And uh, not a day goes by that he isn't in my prayers and several other people's prayers. But, you know, he is 67 today. I'm glad we were able to recognize that yesterday in the seventh inning stretch. I hope he heard it. And uh, and if he is listening to right now, you know we all certainly wish and uh, him a uh, happy birthday, and we love him so much. No question, coach. We we concur with that. All right, final question of the day, coach. Your alma mater comes to town this weekend. Jack showed me Saturday. I didn't, I didn't realize this. The coach there has won twelve hundred plus baseball games. Uh, that's that's phenomenal in its own right. But your thoughts about playing uh, the school where it all kind of started for you in college baseball. <laughs> Well, it's not the first time. You know, we've had them down here several times, and Coach Gutton and, and Coach Evans, his pitching coach, have been together since 1988, I believe. I was there from 85 to 90. Coach Evans joined us in 88 and has been Coach Gutton's right-hand man ever since then. So I think uh, Coach Gutton started as the head coach in 1983 or 84. So he's been there a long, long time. Great man, great baseball people. Their team will be very competitive, I can assure you. I don't know why they didn't play this weekend. I I hadn't figured that out, but they did not play. I didn't see anything COVID-wise. So, uh, but they'll they'll be ready, and it'll be great to see my old friends and and those that I coach beside for several years up there. You know, I owe so much of where I am today to Coach Gutton because he was the one that gave me my first start in coaching back in 1985. It'll be a kind of a special weekend in a sense for you. Am I right about that? Yes, sir. It will. You know, know, besides the games, you know, just being able to see your friends that you haven't seen in a long time, that will be special in itself. Coach, always a pleasure to have you on the Eagle Hour. You know how much we love baseball, and uh, we thank you for your time every Monday, sir. Well, thank you, and thank all the crowd and fans that came out this weekend to make it such a special environment for both teams, because that's what college baseball is all about. And that's what we're about at Southern Miss. So thank y'all. 100% right. Coach Scott Berry, everybody. Baseball coach extraordinary. Even a better man, Luke Johnson, is uh, Scott Berry. And uh, we're always grateful to share our Mondays with him. We'll be right back. Always great talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry as he joins us every 
Monday on the Eagle Hour, Golden Eagles headed down to Mobile, Alabama tomorrow to take on South Alabama at 6.30 p.m. Golden Eagles trying to avenge a February 23rd 5-3 loss to the Jags. First pitch tomorrow night at 6.30. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. They had spaghetti and meatballs with garlic bread today for lunch. They also have tuna, mahi-mahi, and fried oysters on the menu. Uh, we will talk a little later in the uh, in this segment about the retirement of Drew Brees, and that's kind of one of the themes this weekend at 4th Street Bar and Grill in honor of number nine. But 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Kelly John Sander joins us. And, uh, Kelly, a, a lot to get to specifically with this weekend, a huge sweep for the Golden Eagles. Uh, RPI now, I think they're right at 74 or 75, so they've moved up about 25 spots. 74 right now, 9-5 and five overall. And, uh, you know, Coach Barry took the high road and when talking about the bottom of the second. But, Kelly, you know, let's unpack this for a minute. The unwritten rules of baseball. Southern Miss hits a grand slam. Christopher Sargent uh, hits a absolute rocket over the over the tree, over the championship or um, culture, whatever it is, the excellent sign out there that that has all the championship uh, dates and all that. Hits it over that. Reese Ewing follows with a solo shot. And then Lafayette comes back and ear holes um, Will McKillis. I went back and looked at the tape. You look at the release point. You look at the hips. You look at where he's set up on the rubber. No doubt that he was coming to send a message. Uh, nobody appreciated it that that he went that high and then lynch comes up takes up for his captain and pimps his stuff all the way down the first baseline the most epic bat toss of all time now the unwritten rules of baseball kelly sander if lynch would have done that without being provoked at all then he would have got ear hold and he rightly should have but I, i think in that moment the umpires did nothing to lynch they as bob told me during the commercial kind of personally escorted him around the bases and it was because everybody knew what was going on at that moment yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty much. <clears throat> I mean, I, I there was a time Mark Kapicki was a great reliever for Southern Miss. Um, God, I can't even remember when it was, but but Southern Miss was hosting the Metro Conference tournament, and they had a heated rivalry with Memphis at the time. And um, and when I was doing sports at Channel Seven in Hattiesburg, and we did the five and six o'clock sports there. Similar type situation where Kabicki, you know, threw at a guy. And I asked him on, on the air, did not anticipate the answer I was going to get. But I said, uh, I said, Mark, it sure looked like you were throwing at that guy. And he said, hell yeah, I was. <laughs> you know, and he said, absolutely, I was. And I, I, you know, but it wasn't my choice. That's what you do in situations like that. Um, and, you know, people all over social media, man, there's going to be a brawl. There's going to... Um, but but it's the umpire's job to 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 make sure that things don't get a little bit you know too out of hand. But if the umpires didn't think that that was going to happen, you know, then they're then they're clueless. But you know, umpires knew that that was going to happen. Anybody that's ever played the game at that high a level knows that that's just the way it is. Um, and to expect it. But part of it too, though, part of it too, though, was if you're going to throw at him, throw at him. But number one, you're throwing at him because you just gave up back-to-back jacks, which is not anybody's fault except your own. You need to pitch better. Secondly, if you're going to throw at somebody, 
throw at their throw at their hip, throw at their leg. Don't hit them in the head with a 95 mile hour fastball. I think that's what ex- accentuated it, and I think that's why Lynch was perfectly justified. That was the most epic bat toss of all time. He literally threw it from the first base to the other side of the third base, glaring at the pitcher the whole way. And it took him. We counted it. 36 seconds from first base to home to get there. It was incredible. Well, you're, you're hoping, you know, as a pitcher, you're, you're hoping that the guy's going to going to react, maybe turn his back, you know, you know, things like that to try to move. But that's look, that that's just part of it. Um, it had, there are different things that happen in football, you know, after after a tackle, you know, little uh, extra pushing and shoving a cleat here and there. Um, you know, sliding into second base in baseball, you know, oh, gee, I'm sorry, I cleated you. Um, I, you know, went three extra feet to have to cleat you. Sorry about that. Um, they're just, that's just part of it. Um, and it, and actually, this is going to sound terrible, but it makes for good theater. Excellent theater. It was awesome. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you don't think these guys in the World Wrestling Federation, you know, turn to the crowd just for the fun of it, do you? I mean, they do it for the reaction they're going to get. But um, but the players expected it. You know, the pitcher knew it was going to happen. The batter probably knew it was going to happen. The umpires knew it was going to happen. If anybody was surprised at all, it might have been some of the fans on the lower baseball IQ list. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying people who don't know as much about baseball as others might might have been surprised by it. I certainly wasn't. No, it was elect- I want to ask you about something I asked Coach Barry about. You're a baseball guy. I was telling him, you know, that a dozen years ago when, when I moved back here and started regularly going to baseball games, if somebody threw 95 miles an hour, we went, whoa, look at that. Hell, Kelly, it seems like every other kid on every team throws that hard now. And you talk to some of these Division One coaches, and and, uh, and they'll kind of joke. They'll say, hey, is there anybody we're missing, you know, in our recruiting efforts? And you'll say, oh, well, you know, Johnny Smith down here, he's a really good player. Well, tell me, tell me about him. Well, he's, you know, got has great, you know, great grades, great player. You know, everybody loves him. Uh, well, how hard do you throw him? Uh, Ninety-one. Not interested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, by that same token, which really irritates me, I have always been the type of person, Bob. I don't. I think that a lot of these coaches stress velocity way too much. And, I mean, Greg Maddox was the, one of the best pitchers, if not, you know, the best pitcher in modern era baseball. And he never threw it that hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he worked up and down, in and out, changed his speeds, you know, never threw, but in the upper 80s pretty consistently, mid-80s, and he got people out. Right. But yeah. by, stressing, by stressing velocity, you're asking these kids to sometimes throw beyond their arms' capability, and that's what's causing a lot of this. Tommy John syndrome phenomenon that kids 14 through 17 now are having Tommy John surgery, and it's because they hear these comments. And a lot of scouts are saying the same thing I'm saying. There's just way too much emphasis on velocity. Um, and and it's, cause, it's, it's, it's problematic, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Luke? Bob? Yeah, I want to get your, I want to get both of your takes on. Ask Coach Barry about it, and, and you know, we were watching uh, extra innings yesterday. First time that uh, if if you go to extra innings, the last runner to get out starts at second base with no outs, and basically, I, I know it's to create uh, a shorter game, but two bunts and you yeah. get a run. 
and the the problem with that, and in, in my way, I was looking at. There's no way for the defense to defend against it. So, you know, if they're going to redo this, I'm not in favor. I don't want to put outs on the scoreboard. But I think a, a more a uh, better approach would be to put the runner on first base. That way, the defense can at least defend it. Your guys' thoughts about uh, what what you saw yesterday? Well, I'm for just doing it the way it's been done for 150 years. You just play out the innings until. Somebody scores and wins. I don't know Kelly Sander. I, I don't like things like that. I think it takes away from the tradition of baseball. And uh, I, I don't. And and I, when I'm watching the game yesterday, I don't really see how that shortened the game in any way. Your thoughts? I, I see why why they've done that because I just in my last breath I just said we're we're taxing too many arms. You know, with these kids that are trying to throw the ball too hard. So in your scenario, Bob, and I certainly understand the sentiment, don't, it's not broken, don't fix it. But then you're asking guys generally to throw a lot more pitches. Mm-hmm. All right. I, unlike Luke, I don't have a problem with putting an out on the board, which is what a lot of the international you know, rules are, is that you put the man on second with one out. Mm-hmm. All right. So then, then the coach has to decide, am I going to waste an out? to get the guy to third, which about 60% of coaches won't do it. Maybe, maybe higher than that. 65% won't do it. Um, you know, some might, but then, you know, cause a base hit, you would think guys at that level should be able to score from second base on a base hit, but I don't have a problem with one out and putting. The so with the rule, the way it is base. now, you almost guarantee a bunt, don't you? Yeah. yeah, that everybody's yeah. going to do that. I mean, uh, all you, you literally have to bunt twice to get a run in. You bunt him over to third, and then just bunt it down the first baseline. And but, but, you but, score. What I, but, and, but what I like, but, but what, what I like. to to the contrary, <laughs> last thing, to what's going to happen is you're going to be able to score so easily that you're going to like yesterday. You're going to continue innings because it's so easy to score. But what I like about the way the rule is now is that the art of the bunt. And Bob, you're a purist. I'm a purist. The art of the bunt seems to be dying. Right. Okay? So it brings the art of the bunt back into play, and then it brings strategy into play, too, because if you've got your three, four, five hitters up there, are you going to take the bat out of their hands to have them bunt? And if, and if you do, they're not going to like it. Yeah. You know, so it does add an additional layer of intrigue to calling a game if you're a coach. Well, you know how grumpy old men are, Kelly. We just don't like change, right? We just want to keep things the way we remember when we were young whippersnappers. That's right. We walked to school uphill both ways. We'll be back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
Eagle Hour for the start of a new week. Spring break in some places. DBAT and D1 Training bring you the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day, located at 4600 Hardy Street, Suite 32, in the old Gaddy Town building. DBAT on the left, D1 Training on the right. Got their spring break camp going on this week. More information at dbathattiesburg.com. It was a busy weekend. No, uh, no. Wins for Lafayette, ULL, guys, becomes ULLL. We love that. This broom's brought out at the Pete Taylor Park. Eagles uh, defeat Louisiana Lafayette three games to none over the weekend. Men's golf in action today and tomorrow out in Phoenix, Arizona at the Grand Canyon University Invitational. Ladies down uh, in New Orleans at English Turn Country Club for the Sugar Bowl hosted by Tulane. Uh, they started yesterday and will continue through tomorrow. Tennis uh, dropped a 6-1 to one, uh, series this weekend to Troy in Hattiesburg. Women's tennis, on the other hand, on the road at Jacksonville State. Defeated Jacksonville State 4-1. to one. Beach volleyball was out in South Carolina. They split, defeating Jacksonville and Mercer and dropping uh, contest to South Carolina and Coastal Carolina. Uh, women's volleyball, indoor volleyball, they dropped 3-1 to one to UTSA, but right now they're up two sets to one over UTSA in the fourth set out in San Antonio. Women's soccer uh, improved to 2-1 and one in conference as they defeat UTSA on the road at San Antonio. 3-1, to one, Janique uh, Cachereo, Ariel Diaz, and Haley Pohavents all scored for the Lady Eagles, and uh, they improved to 2-1 and one in the conference and I believe four and two overall. Softball uh, went a perfect four and zero oh, uh, this weekend out in Macon, Georgia, defeating Winthrop, Western Carolina, and Mercer. Destiny Brown led the way with a couple home runs. Lady Eagles improved to sixteen and nine on the year. Well, guys, uh, we knew it was coming, and uh, it was announced yesterday. Drew Brees actually announced by all four of his kids on Instagram. Drew Brees hanging up the cleats, 20 years in the NFL, uh, 15 for the New Orleans Saints. He ends his career first all-time in passing yards, first all-time in completions, first all-time in completion percentage, and second all-time with uh, in passing touchdowns with 571. Of course, he won the Super Bowl back in 2009-2010 season. Uh, Bob Getty, you can cry with me today uh, as a grafted in. Saints fan. He's a great player. I'll tell you quickly my Drew Brees story. Three years ago, I'm in the Superdome watching the Redskins play the Saints. The Redskins had pressured Drew Brees all day. Had a 14-point lead with less than four minutes left in the game. Decided to start playing prevent defense. And when I saw Drew Brees drop back and start dancing on his feet, I looked at my wife and said, oh, no. And he picked them apart like a surgeon doing brain surgery and the rest is history. They won the game. And I thought that was so typical of Drew Brees, uh, Luke. He, he always came through when he needed to. And when, when he was at his best, he was as pinpoint a passer at, that maybe has ever played in the NFL. Great, great player. He, w- he was. And, and Kelly, not just for what he meant for the Saints, but what he meant for the city of New Orleans and what he will continue to, to mean to the city. I, I don't know if there's a more a quarterback in the NFL that was so perfect for the city at the time, coming out of Hurricane Katrina, and what he's meant to the city uh, through his career. Yeah, the philanthropic efforts uh, that he and his wife have put forth to help the city. And you mentioned that his kids have mentioned his retirement. Uh, Philip Rivers' uh, children announced his retirement, and they're actually still announcing his retirement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Philip Rivers and his wife have a few children. You know, they're, a, they're a few. Still, uh, <laughs> a few. Yeah. So if you're if you're handicapping the, the Saints quarterback situation and hoping on Russell Wilson, it's it's looking that that's like that's just not going to happen uh, with the extension of Taysom Hill yesterday, uh, the four year extension at 140 million dollars. It looks like they're going to be content with Taysom Hill and uh, and re-signing Jameis Winston uh, to that situation. Russell Wilson's not necessarily even guaranteed that he's going to be available, um, but with that salary cap. Uh, that, that the Saints, you know, even though they have come off of their salary cap a little bit, you, you're certainly not going to, you know, get Russell Wilson for that cheap. So it does look, if you're handicapping, again, the Saints quarterback situation, looks like it's going to be, you know, Hill and, and Winston. But, you know, look, when Drew was hurt last year, they, they, were, they were quite functionable or functional. I yeah, they say. were good. Yeah, with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. So um, great player, I guess, though. Great player, Hall of Famer, first ballot. Real quickly, Kelly, you know the Cowboys paying now Dak Prescott forty three million a year, and I saw a great meme that said the Cowboys are going to pay their quarterback forty three million dollars next year to watch a forty three year old quarterback win the Super Bowl again. Yeah, well, you know I don't like talking about that guy <laughs> over in Tampa Bay. I want to, I want to see if, if Luke can tell us again who 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 scored for the women's soccer team again. Who was that? Luke? I know. I will tell you. I will tell you that Tom Brady signed a four-year contract extension, he so we sure have to did. deal That's with him another crazy. four years. That that, it wasn't with. It wasn't with Tampa Bay, though. I think it was with the Claiborne. Um, <laughs> Luke, who, who scored for the soccer team again? For Kelly, I hope you have a great Monday. <laughs> All right, uh, coming up, we've got a great show coming up. The guys are going to be on the road Wednesday. We're going to have Mike Federico, the new coach, or the baseball coach at Louisiana Monroe on the show Wednesday. His team almost, almost won the series against Ole Miss this weekend, former Southern Miss guy, of course. Thursday, Christian Ostrander on the show. And Wednesday, Kelly will be at Bocoma Casino giving us his NCAA basketball predictions. Are you ready, Santa? March Madness, baby. There we go. Eagle Hour, back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.